Hi there. Welcome to the Way She Carries podcast, where we celebrate the incredible journeys of notable women of African descent. We're all about highlighting the beauty of the before part of every story. And I am delighted to bring you stories that show determination, resilience, and strength each of these women possess. I am your host, Vimbai E. Enjoy the episode. Many single people will tell you that dating in today's world is ridiculously frustrating. However, for people living with HIV, the struggle of dating is amplified to the 10th power. But don't tell Susan Wairimu Meta to forget about love or that she should lower her standards just because she is HIV positive. The 40-year-old HIV activist is determined to live life to the fullest and that includes finding true love one day. And if you happen to be living with HIV, so should you. I recently had a conversation with Susan, and I will tell you that she blew my mind with her level of confidence, not specifically because she's HIV positive, but just as a single woman who is out there determined that she's not going to lower her standards for anybody. I love her optimism, and I'm sure you will too. So sit back and listen to my interview with Susan Wairimu Meta. All right, everyone. Uh, this is Mumbai E. Thank you very much for joining me once again. I have a special guest who I'm speaking to, and I'm really excited because I've seen a lot of work that uh, Susan here, and I'm uh, going to introduce her, and, and she can tell you a little bit more about herself, but I've seen some amazing things that she's doing. Um, I watched some videos on YouTube about just the advocacy work that she does for people living with HIV. And once I saw all that she was doing, I had to reach out to her. And I'm so grateful that that you, Susan, agreed to an interview with me. So thank you, everyone who's watching this. Thank you to our viewers for joining us. Susan, thank you and welcome to The Way She Carries. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much for availing the platform. Great, great. Now, Susan, your full name is Susan Wairimu Meta, correct? Yes, that's my full name. Okay, wonderful. So, Susan, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, I, I mentioned briefly here that you do advocacy work for people living uh, with uh, HIV. But tell me what you're passionate about. Tell me who you are in a nutshell. Okay, as uh, you've said before, my name is Susan Weimumeta. I'm from Kenya. Uh, I'm 40 years old. I'm uh, HIV positive. I've been living positively uh, for the last three years. I tested positive in January 2019. I'm a, I'm a, a certified uh, HIV counselor, and I'm also an entrepreneur. I deal with a lot of uh, cosmetic stuff and also hair. Yeah, and uh, I'm also a motivator, a peer educator, and I also do a lot of advocacy work in regards to, you know, uh, the rights of people living with HIV, you know, and uh, so forth. Wow, that's that sounds like a full full uh, uh, plate that you have there. <laughs> you must be very busy with your work. 
Yes, I, I get at times I get really busy and especially when I'm called to because my services are pro bono. Like for me, it's a ministry of saving lives. So the counseling part comes for free. So I normally like I will get calls. People will be like there's somebody who's refused to you know take their meds. There's somebody who has refused to enroll. There's this person who's scared to go and test. So it comes any anytime. So I'm freelance. Because the good thing about the cosmetic part is um, I can sell it online. So I'm not quite busy. So I only deal with matters, you know, dealing with people living with HIV. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. You, men you mentioned that um, it's been about three years or so since your own diagnosis. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us about how you discovered, you know, kind of leading up to when you got tested and then received the diagnosis? So um, I've, um, I'm a former hotelier by profession and I was doing reservations management. So I've been working in South Sudan on and off on short contracts. So in 2018, I had gotten a new job, a very good job that is. But it was, uh, I was going through an, under a lot of pressure and uh, I started losing a lot of weight. And um, I remember my mom was sick at that point as well. So I was frustrated. And then I was in a relationship that was very rocky. So there was a lot that was happening in my life. So I was, you know, literally losing weight. But I thought, I mean, it's just the normal, like uh, you're working too much. You don't have time to eat. You're stressed. So first I assumed then... Um, Around around towards October, uh, where I was working in South Sudan, the government had an issue with my employer. So we were literally shut down and evacuated out of the country. So I think that was another shocker. And then from then, that's when now I started losing weight massively and I'd lost, I started losing even my hair to a point to hmm. come out in Like if I do strong braids, because the hair now is weak, it started falling on in patches. And then I would lose like 10, 10 kgs in two months or 15 kgs. Wow. And then my skin started becoming rough. My appetite started going down. So by the time it was around Dece end of December towards January, I'd reached a point I couldn't eat. Because if I eat, it's just a running stomach. My appetite has, had gone to zero. My skin was just hanging. You know, all, all this. And I had a lot of opportunistic infections. So around the first, the second week of January, around 14th, I called myself for a meeting and I told myself, uh, instead of me sitting here and I don't know what is eating me, I would rather go to the hospital and get checked. As usual, the first thing you go for is Google. Then Google tells me HIV, cancer, you know. So I take myself to the hospital, but when I reached there, I got so scared, I went back home. And then after two mm. days, that is... I called my two sisters, my followers, and I told them, you know what, I am thinking I need to go and test for HIV and I need your support. And they were like, it can't be possible. I'm like, it's very possible because clearly there's a problem. So I walked into a clinic. I didn't even go for counseling because I'd already told my mind I'm going to do a HIV test. I tested positive and I started my meds on the same day because I'm this person who loves myself so much and I, I, I didn't want to think of a scenario at one point, I would be so down just because I didn't want to take my meds. So I started my meds on the same day on 16th, uh, January 2019. Wow, wow. Um, yeah. That has, yeah, and, and just to think that you'd been so sick, right? And sometimes just mentally 
trying to understand what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me. And then when you finally uh, get the answer, sometimes the diagnosis can be somewhat of a, re a relief because now you have you now you have a, an answer. Now you can begin to m take steps towards getting yourself healthy. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah. how did you process that? Did it hit you at that time then and there, you know, the gravity of the diagnosis or did it hit later? I think um, the moment I saw my results, uh, it's kind of weird, but it was kind of a relief because at the point that I was in, I knew if I had cancer, then it would be a matter of maybe months or weeks. So it was a relief, yes. Mm. But because I'd already, you know, I'd prepared myself throughout for a month. I was like, something is wrong. But I think that night, because even my sisters refused me to go home alone. So they were like, you have to come with us because we don't know, like, maybe you'll be suicidal. And, you know, because even the doctor wasn't expecting a calm person. So I remember that night I couldn't sleep. I was sleeping in a separate bedroom and... I just started crying because now I think the fear for me was what if the medication doesn't work with me? What if I fail on this medication? I don't want to die. I mean, I have so much to live for and I'm, I don't know how this will go with me, you know, because at that point I was almost on full blown AIDS because it had literally eaten me up properly. So I remember I just knelt down. Um, I'm a spiritual person and, and I just prayed God and I told him, I don't know what is ahead of me. I don't know what's gonna happen, but uh, just give me the strength. That's all I need, you know? So yeah, the, I think the challenge wasn't accepting because I'd already accepted, because I was I'd prepared my mind. The challenge was because the virus was very high in my system the first three weeks the virus fighting with the medication was now the challenge because you find at times i could get um like a uh, very sick to a point i get memory lapses and what have you you know shocks when i'm alone that was the only mm -hmm. challenge that i went through but i accepted myself just from i think i have a very strong personality and i'm this person who doesn't give up in life i think that is what has really helped me with just accepting the situation yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, at this time, you mentioned that you were quite sick. Do you know how long um, you had had the virus at this point? Uh, well, with HIV, it depends because um, if you are living a very stress-free life and uh, you're not taking any alcohol and you're having a good diet, you can stay up to eight to ten years before you start showing the symptoms. But again, if you're living a stress a stressful life and you're taking alcohol and what have you, it can react very fast, unlike somebody who's not. So I can't tell exactly because remember, I'd lost a job. I was going through pressure, was drinking a lot. My relationship was rocky. So clearly those were factors that might have made me get sick faster than somebody who just. So I can't exactly tell when I got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, it's only it's only been three years, but you know, you you're such a strong person, and it comes across because you have this beautiful smile on your face, and mm -hmm. it's you know, it takes many people. I would imagine it would take them a long time to process, and then want to keep it as a secret because of the stigma, right? And yes. but then for you, you have decided to be open and to share your story. When did you decide to open up, and why? 
Okay, for me, uh, I because I wanted to own my story because there's, there's a scenario that happened. So remember before I'd mentioned my hair had started like literally falling off, then it was kind of weak. So I'm this person who sticks to one hairdresser and it's just within where I live. So I went and I thought we were friends because we've been friends for so long. And I told her, I, I, this is the reason as to why my hair has been falling off. I decided to go and test, and these are the results. She was very comforting. But shockingly, before the end of the day, everybody who knows me was literally calling me because so-and-so told them, and then they were now spreading it. Others even came to oh, my house. No. Is it true that, you know, I felt so bad. I got scared. To a point like I was like I'm an outgoing person I couldn't go to a restaurant or I couldn't go anywhere around the city because I live in a place called Kitengela I couldn't go around Kitengela because you know you have that fear of the unknown like you don't know who's who knows who's looking at you and you know yeah so because of mm -hmm. that I thinking of um why can't I own my story so that even if people hear they'll be like she already owns her story it is better coming from my mouth because with that I'll have freed myself from the stigma of being gossiped or talked about. So on my first anniversary after turning one year is that when I went public about my status. So I went on my social media platform, the main which is Facebook. And um, I remember somebody approached me and she's, she's called uh, Diana Kitch. She deals with ca cancer patients. She's the first person who approached me to give me a platform to come out. And that's how I came out and I owned my story. Yeah. How did it feel after letting it out and, 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 and making that public on Facebook? I felt like I, you know, it's like you're locked in a closet and then all of a sudden you're out and you can smell some fresh air. You know, like you're no longer scared that so-and-so knows. After all, I mean, it's not like you're gossiping me. It's something that I talk about. So it fe I felt so relieved because I'd lifted some, you know, baggage over my shoulder, you know, some weight. Because I could no longer, like, feel like I'm, I'm, I have to go checking who's looking at me and stuff. It, so it was, the, it, was on, it was one of the greatest feeling ever, feeling like I'm free finally. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now, you mentioned that your hairdresser had, um, like, she had a negative reaction to you telling, you confiding in her and letting her know the reason why your hair was falling out. What about other family members and friends? Did you open up to them um, at the time soon after you found out your diagnosis or did you kind of keep it quiet until you're about to announce it to the world? So um, um, I'm actually an ambivert. So I have friends. I'm very, I'm very like uh, social on the outside, but I have my space in the inside. So I have very few close friends, and uh, the few close friends have been my support system since then up to today. Actually, we laugh about it because there's one of them. When I told her about it, she literally cried so much. I'd gone to her office, and I was the one comforting her instead of her, you know, oh. like comforting me, you know. And I was telling her, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Like, if I'm okay, I mean, clearly, then we're all going to be fine. So my closest friends have been there. They've supported me. My family, my two sisters, I only have two sisters. Since we started with them, the journey, they've been very supportive. But we decided being a firstborn, and my parents depend so much on me, we decided that we were not going to tell them. Though, 
I started hiding before because I'd shared massive weight and my mother kept on asking me something is very wrong. So after that, I disappeared for some time. I just went, you know, lying low until, you know, I started picking up slowly. So when I went public, after the first video, that's when I called them and I asked them, uh, now that I'd lost a lot of weight and stuff, what were you thinking? And my mom, my mom is just open like me and she's like, you know, I thought that thing had caught you. You know, they don't talk about it. And then they we all laughed. The name, right? <laughs> yeah. And then we all yeah. laughed. And like, there's a video I want you to guys to see. The reason I did it that way is because I realized them seeing the strength, how I've walked alone for that year, maybe would have given them hopes that I can do it on my own. So I sat them down. And I told them to watch the video. After that, they were kind of depressed. My mom was felt so bad. But then I told her, listen, if I've managed for a year, that tells you then I can manage and it's manageable. And the fact that I'm this strong and I'm preaching something out there for people like us, just take it positively. And since then, like now they know I'm having an interview with you. They are just waiting for the link. They're my number one supporters. They all be Aww. waiting to watch. They support me totally. You know, I remember my pastor, my parents, um, my dad is a pastor. My mom is a church deaconess. And uh, even at church, they would be asked, uh, are you not ashamed of your child? And then they were like, no, we actually love her so much and we support her because she's this courageous person who's living, you know, to inspire others. So my family, my family and close friends, yes, but I lost some friends. I lost, I actually still lose people. We, we, shockingly, we think we are more informed, but we are not. Because you will find a scenario whereby I lost some of my friends because I told them of my status completely and they went mute until when I went public and then they realized, oh, so actually she can live like this. And then there are people who, who don't know you, but the moment you mention you're like this, they just go mute on you. So it keeps on happening. But I had I'd trained myself and, you know, like I'd called myself for a meeting and I told myself, you know what, you can't blame them. I'm one person who, who used to be very judgmental. If I see you with pink lips, I would think, you know, you're HIV positive or your skin is funny. So if, if I was thinking like that before, I mean, they're human beings. So I learned to embrace people the way they are and understand it's out of ignorance. That's why they behave like that. So instead of feeling bad, the best thing, I always try to show them the positive side of it. And then you realize with time they come back and they're like, wow, we are so proud of you and so forth. So at least that gives me a lot of motivation to, you know, continue. Yeah, I love that. I love that story about your parents and how they are now just you're so proud of what you're doing. And I know it can be really hard, particularly in the church circles, you know, yes. because uh, like a lot of questions are, are asked and all of that. And the fact that your dad is a pastor and he's like, that's my daughter. And I want to watch her and see her do all these interviews. That just warms my heart. That's, that's so good to hear. They're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So, now you're healthy now, right? Like you were able through taking your medication and um, doing other uh, positive things to to keep yourself healthy. You've been able yes. to come come kind of um, come from that that place where you were re really not doing so well to now where you're thriving. Uh, you look great, and um, it's just yeah, and you just you, you're you're so vibrant. 
So what now that you're working with people who are living with uh, HIV as well, how why do you think it is that people are not taking their medication or other reasons for them not really wanting to 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 take charge of their health? I think it's because stigma is the killer here, actually. This is the main problem because um, when HIV came, we didn't have uh, ARVs. So what they used to treat, uh, because, at, you see, HIV is a virus. There's a lot that people don't understand. I am living with the virus HIV. But by the time I tested, I had moved from the stage of the virus to the stage of full-blown AIDS whereby my immunity was very low, so other opportunistic infections were literally pulling me down. So the reason is why people used to die, you know, long time ago, it's because they were dying of AIDS. There were no ARVs. So they could not, like, um, you know, monitor the virus and everything. So whatever people were trying to cure is the other diseases. So there was a lot of medication. So number one, people tend to think we take a lot of medications, you know, big ones. They have very funny, weird you know, notion about what we take when you actually only take one tab a day. I'm on line one. I'll explain line what is line one later. So I'm on line one. I only take one med in a, one medication in a day. So I think because of that stigma, the medication, and then there's this notion, HIV kills. Like you have to die. HIV is for people who are promiscuous, which is the biggest lie ever. Because what happens is uh, we have... You know, those street girls who use protection and they don't get it. But it can get you in the house when you're married because one partner has just moved out and, you know, so or you didn't test and you engaged. And like personally, the reason I came out public, it's because um, I want to teach people, of, uh, you know, like you have to test first before you you stop trusting because I got it because I was trusting somebody else without testing. So there's a lot of notion that goes, you know, around the stigma. So people are so scared. They think if I get it, I should be ashamed. I keep on telling people just because you're promiscuous and you haven't got it, it doesn't mean that you're a better person than me, maybe who just got it, you know, one chance or somebody brought it home or, you know, like something like that. So I think it's the stigma that is the reason as to why you find most people. As, and then, you know, like the society, the moment you tell them, even at this era, there are people who call me. They're not being given food at home. People don't want to wash the utensils. They don't want to engage with them. Stigma mm -hmm. is the biggest issue with HIV, even up to this moment. And then there's a lot of stigma, and then there's self-stigma. Because of the stigma, mm -hmm. now you're telling yourself, oh, I'm going to die. Oh, I'm not going to live. Oh, I'll not be loved. I should be ashamed. Sorry to say this. I tell them that is just nonsense. I mean... We are living in an era whereby HIV is the most manageable condition. And I am in a support group where we have somebody who's 34 years who was literally born with it. She has two kids who are HIV negative. That tells you somebody with HIV can live for so long. I don't believe somebody with high blood pressure or diabetes or cancer could last for that long. So there's a lot mm -hmm. that people are not there. So the stigma is the major reason as to why people are so scared about HIV. Yeah, that's a great point that you bring up there because I think, and even now, like there's this um, there's this um, understanding, like science proves that there could be one couple who is HIV positive, another who's HIV negative, and the one who's mm. positive is uh, will not be transmitted to the negative partner because if their viral load is undetectable. Yes. 
but yeah, so unfortunately, people don't realize. People don't know uh, U to U works. That is undetectable is equals to untransmittable. And I think there's a lot of sensitization that should be done when it comes to that, because what people don't know is you need to suppress your virus first for you to be undetectable, for the virus not to be detected in your system. Like personally, because I love, as I said, I love myself so much. I started my meds from day one. So by six and a half months, I'd reached the LDL, which is the zero level of, uh, it's not being detected. It's there in the system, but it's suppressed completely. And since then, my records have been clean and detectable and detectable and detectable. So that means I cannot actually pass it to the other person because now the virus is dormant. But most people have, uh, you know, like uh, they don't know that that's not a leeway to now go having other partners. Because as you're thinking now, you cannot transmit, you can actually go with someone maybe who is negative or something. If you have not tested that person, that person might have been infected unknowingly. So they give you another new strain that comes and actually affects your medication and mutates the virus to something stronger than what you're taking. So actually, there are things we call reinfection. So as much as I'm undetectable, I cannot transmit, I'm still at risk if my partners, or let's say if my partner is not somebody who's straightforward, or how are my you know ways when it comes to you know engaging with the other you know sex or, or what have you? So people need to understand as much as you're undetectable, kindly you just need to take care of yourself because when you get other infections, uh, that's why I go back to line one, line two, and line three. Okay, line one is where we take one medication in a day, but for those people who fail by maybe not adhering to their medication or maybe because they've gotten other strains and the virus mutates to something strong, they take up to between three meds in the morning or four meds in the morning and the evening, so that's six to eight meds in a day. And then we have line three whereby you can actually buy that medication because the virus has become so strong and the medication is expensive. So also adherence plays part in being undetectable and you cannot transmit. Because if, if you don't adhere to your medication, because this tablet suppresses a virus for only 24 hours. So if you check on my phone, I have an alarm at 8.58 in the morning. It tells me, get up, it's time to check on your meds. At 9 sharp, it tells me it's time to take on your meds. So every day at 9 in the morning, that's my time. I take my meds. So because I'm practicing adherence, that is where I've been able to maintain being undetectable for that long. Wow. Yeah. You know, you touched on something very important there about there being many different strains out there. And I think that's probably something that people don't realize is that there are different um, HIV strains. And yes. even though you may have one, you, that's not a license to go out and do whatever, like you said, because you may actually find yourself contracting different strains and making your situation more complicated. Yeah, people need to understand we have strains. Um, given the fact that I cancel people a lot, and especially men, I'm sorry to say this, men are the most affected than women. Actually, I think women, we're just made uh, strong beings. At one point, we'll just pick ourselves up and move. But you'll find with men, there's that um, mentality of bitterness. So you find uh, they have mm. this attitude of, I've got it. So I also want to kill somebody else. I'm not dying alone. So in the process mm. of you spreading it, I keep on telling people, think about it. In this era, any person who is not careful about their sexuality, like they don't use protection or they don't test, 
there's somebody who's careless. It's automatic. Yeah. So when you're thinking you're literally killing them, you might be picking something very strong from them that comes and kills you very fast. And you know, when the more a strain um, mutates, you know, the more poisonous it comes to your body. So people need to be very careful and just accept, you know, and love themselves and then just live a faithful life. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just one second, Susan. I just want to close this door here. Sure. Okay, sorry about that. It's okay. Um, yeah. Um, you know, okay, let's talk now that we're talking about, um, you know, just um, trying to make sure that people who are HIV positive have a good understanding of the different strains that are out there. Let's shift into dating because that is obviously something that plays a big role in many people's lives, whether if you're unmarried, then you know, it's quite li likely that you are looking for a partner, a life partner. What has your experience been when it comes to dating? I will tell you it's challenging and it's challenging because of this. Whether we are positive or HIV negative, relationships are just still the same. I mean, we, we're just going through the same relationship issues. So first, there's always a challenge in getting the right person. But again, the biggest challenge is on our side because somebody, you know, getting somebody who's HIV negative, who can accept you for your status, it's not unless somebody's very exposed and well aware about, uh, you know, matters concerning people living with HIV. So that's a challenge. Um, you'll find somebody will come to approach you, but because maybe they think you're beautiful and they just want to test the waters, they, they think you're vulnerable, so they want to take advantage of you. So you have to be very careful and very smart, you know. And then there's the other side whereby people like us, you know, like the HIV positive, you want to date somebody, but you realize this person, maybe they're not, you know, as I said, they're people who are moving around. So you're literally scared of getting another strain. So you'd rather be safe, you know, when you're single. Or this person is not mentally stable in terms of uh, they have not accepted and they are bitter and, you know, like stigmatizing themselves. So this is a very toxic person. And let me tell you something. You do not want to date somebody who has not accepted themselves because self-blame will always be there. Oh, you're not doing like this because I'm like this. Oh, you're taking advantage because, you know, and I, this is what I, I preach almost every week on my wall, that just because you're of the same status doesn't mean we are compatible. I'm, I'm only mm. going to date someone who we are compatible with. Number two, just because I'm HIV positive, I am not lowering my standards. I will never be desperate for anything. I will still keep the same standards. The right one will come along. So I think the challenge for me, it's because, you know, like I put my foot down and I'm like, this is it. I don't entertain, you know, you know, nonsense or people trying to play around or thinking I'm desperate or thinking because you're the same set as we have just to date. No, I want somebody who's, you know, somebody that you are compatible. I don't care if they'll be negative or positive. I've tried to date like twice since I tested positive. And with with somebody who was uh, uh, HIV positive as well, and uh, as I said, the mental health is very important of somebody who's living with HIV because the, that person will carry a lot of baggage, 
and then put the baggage on you so you will realize you're, you've you've reached a point and then somebody wants to take you back you relapse and hiv and stress and frustration don't get along so it's very paramount that i get somebody who's at par with me yeah so it's quite challenging yeah i'm still single but um, i'm waiting i'm not in a hurry yeah yeah I love that attitude that you have. And and when I reached out to you, I mentioned that we have um, a lot of women in our community who, uh, for whatever reason, because of their past or maybe decisions that they've made, they feel as though they're unworthy of love. And the month of February can be very difficult for, for women who feel that way. And so that's yeah. why I reached out to you because I love the positive outlook that you have. And just the fact that, listen, don't get it twisted here. Mm -hmm. I still have my standards here. You know, you still need to to come correct when you come to try to talk to me. So what exactly. kind of advice do you have for women who are feeling, oh, maybe they're HIV positive or maybe it's something else. Maybe they have infertility issues. Maybe they've been told that they cannot bear children or some health issue that they feel will interfere with, with their dating life. What advice do you have for them? Self-love is key and self-acceptance. You need to love yourself enough to know what, what's good for you. I tell people like this, when you walk into a supermarket, you'll find one product, uh, maybe from different companies, with different kind of prices, where you, pre you place yourself on the shelf in a supermarket, determines who you approach. You're literally what you attract. So as you're mm. loving yourself and you're accepting yourself, have you worked on you? Have you worked on the bitterness and the, the you know, like the self-stigmatization? Work on you first. Get over that bitterness. Heal. Accept. Love yourself enough to know your worth and your value. Never be desperate under any circumstances. You'd rather be late but get it right than rush yeah. and get it wrong. Yes, so I'll yes. them just love themselves. Don't feel like I'm 40 and you can imagine I'm not even worried. So I don't think I don't know why people should be always in a you know feeling like I'm running out of time. So you know, like I shouldn't I should just get whoever comes along. No. You don't want to make that mistake that you regret for the rest of your life. Just take your time and do it right. So just self-love and self-acceptance. Have your standards, value yourself, love yourself, and never be desperate for a relationship. Yes, 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 yes. I love all of it. So well said. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us, um, you said you're very, um, you're very active on social media in terms of your advocacy work. So uh, tell us a little bit how people can um, get in touch with you. What kind of things do you help? People, uh, people living with HIV, what services do you do you help them with so that they know um, how to find you and what to expect? So what I do is, um, first, what I love doing uh, on my social media accounts is sensitization and HIV awareness. At least I, I try to make sure people are aware of, you know, who, what is, you know, like living with a person with HIV positive or our daily life, how we do things, you know, I, I teach them the things that actually they don't know. I also do a lot of, you know, a lot of inspiration, you know, and encouraging people because you realize 
there's somebody who's in there who's looking for a voice just to tell them it's okay and you can be you know like you can be better you can accept yourself so normally when i do all these in peer education you realize people will come back to you and tell you in your inbox eh, you don't know what you do for me every time when i wake up just you know go to your wall i feel motivated you know just wake up and do something every day so that 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 makes me feel so good and then there are scenarios whereby people are referred to me uh maybe they've tried to commit suicide they have not accepted their status so i actually counsel them i work with them there are those and i'll tell you something there's nobody who has passed through my hands and has failed never ever and then there are people who will be like i tested positive but i defaulted at one point i stopped taking my meds or i want to go and test but i am so scared so i don't ask for anything i just take them to the facility it's called uh, lvct uh so i take them there and you know they go through the orientation if they test positive they are started on the meds if there are those who are starting all over again we walk together sometimes i'm called maybe in the slums somebody have uh, you know people are scared so the moment they start losing weight they just wait in their beds to die so you find mm-hmm. a scenario someone in like oh my god you talk to them you take them to a facility they start their meds and they pick up sometimes i'm called by schools or groups of individuals and i also go and uh, do a lot of awareness and uh, sensitization so that's what i do mostly you know or any other thing or if if there's a scenario whereby um somebody's affected uh, is living with hiv and maybe you know like people are frustrating that person and what have you those are the things we go in and you know like we sort the issues because i believe i tell you mine was a blessing in disguise like uh there's a reason i tested positive and i'm this strong because there are people who look up to me and if i i can't fail them i have to be there for them and there's a reason i'm you know i'm there so normally that's what i do so i'm always on call and i uh, i do it at on my own costs i'm like i do it for god it's a ministry of saving souls so as long as it's anything to do with hiv i'm there if it's counseling i'm there sometimes as scenarios you find somebody doesn't have food and uh they're taking their meds you mobilize or whatever you have you buy for them and they start speaking slowly so that is the major thing that i do okay okay that's very yeah. important work because um just the mental health surrounding you know just that diagnosis and accepting can be very hard so having somebody like yourself who is out there and willing to lend a hand and encourage people that that I'm sure uh makes such a great impact sure yeah and it's make- um you yeah. also have products you talked about yes uh, pardon you Go said ahead. i also have Yes, you also have a business. You're an entrepreneur and so you said that you have some products that you that you push. So tell us about those products. Okay, basically makeup that is lipstick, uh things like these wings that I'm putting on the eyelashes, you know, eyeshadow, things to do with just cosmetics. Though I had a shop, uh, but I think okay. after COVID, most of uh, those were not the necessities at that point, so we were kind of hit. So I had to close down a bit but I am just doing online. Uh, we have also started okay. with my sister um uh, an events company 
whereby we are trying to like hire tents and chairs. Yeah, and then um, I'm a jack of all trades. If it's hairs like this wig, you know, like somebody tells me, I like a wig, that wig, do you have it? I'm like, oh, yes, I do. Which one would you like? Then she tells me, then I will go buy it, then come and sell it at a higher price and get my cut. I mean, in this life, you have to survive. That's business. Yeah. Yes. That's the point of business. <laughs> you need to make a profit. <laughs> yes, you have to. So that's what I do. Yeah. I'm a jack of all if I get an opportunity to do something, I will do it. As long as it's clean business, I will do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds good. So how do people get in touch with you for if they're interested in uh, your makeup products or hair or anything that you're providing? Or uh, if they, I'm assuming for the advocacy work, they find you on social media? Yeah, so normally I have a line that I normally have, have slotted it for advocacy or just business. It's our class 254-722-250-644. Let me repeat it again. Plus 254-722-250-644. I only do, I try to limit it to only WhatsApp chats. So that I can be able, you know, like to record and, you know, follow up and what have you. And then on Facebook, they know me as Wairimu Nyarasembo Meta. Wairimu Nyarasembo Meta. And then uh, on uh, Instagram, that is Sumeta. That is S-E-U. And then hyphen, then M-E-T-T-A. And then I'm also on YouTube. Uh, that is Susan Wairimu Meta. Susan Wairimu Meta. And I'm also on email for those who feel like they need to be a bit confidential. It's M-E-T-T-A-S-U-S-A-N at gmail.com. M-E-T-T-A-S-U-S-A-N at gmail.com. I'm always open for anyone who feels like I've given up. I need hope. I just need someone. I don't mind. I don't. I, 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 I work with people from even the United States, you know, somebody tells you I'm living like this, but I feel motivated. Can you just be my friend or somebody in, you know, Nigeria? And it's a good thing that somebody feels like there's hope. That hope, yeah. you know, the one time somebody called me and told me, you don't know what you do to me because of you. I'm who I am, you know, I'm whom I am today and I'm where I am because of you. So I just yeah. do it selflessly. That, that's for me. That's all. The rest, God knows. Yeah, yeah. It sounds so fulfilling. Yes, it is. It is. Because when you see, like I remember this, this case of a guy who tried to commit suicide three times. Everybody had given up on him. When I started working with him, he was like, hmm, how now? And I'm like, first look at me. I'm very healthy, you know, looking very good. That tells you there's life after testing positive. So we walked, walked. This guy from nowhere, he went back on track. He's on business. Even everybody's like, what happened? You know? So such yeah. scenarios make me feel so good. Yeah. And when they, yeah. there's also a scenario, um, somebody called me. She actually inboxed me on Facebook. And then she gave me her number. So I didn't call her the same day because I, I was offline. So when I logged in the next day and I wanted to call her, she sent me a message and she told me, like that's after I've worked with her for like three months. And she told me that call that you made, I was about to go and commit suicide. But that was the turning point. Mm -hmm. When you get such 
you know messages they they motivate you i know at times i carry so many you know baggage for people and i get overwhelmed but when i think of the good things the outcome it motivates me you know to move forward and do more yeah 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 those are beautiful stories because it's it's you know, there really is a lot of people out there who are holding so strongly to this notion that my life is over like there's nobody's going to want me nobody will love me i'm just going to die a slow painful death and i don't want that so i'd rather um take a drastic measures but when they see somebody like yourself you can show them the light and show them that no you know you're just as valuable god loves you the same you know mm-hmm. and you there is so much life to live so true so true yeah oh my goodness thank you so much we're going to now switch over to the fun round of questions getting to know you a little bit better i'm just gonna get my questions here Uh so first question what was your favorite toy as a child i loved dolls you know at those times we had these plastic uh baby dolls I used to love them so much. I would tie them on my back everywhere I used to go. <laughs> they were your babies. <laughs> they were my babies. You know, being a firstborn, you that, that motherly intuition in you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what was the last thing you ate? I ate, you know, chapati? Oh, I love chapati. Yes, I took some. My mom brought some chapati, so I I ate with tea. Oh, chapati is so good, and the way the way Kenyans make chapati is I, I've not been able to taste it the same anywhere else. I love the chapati that you make. It's awesome. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you're if you're running late for a meeting and it's an extremely important meeting, you cannot be late. And so you have to forego something in your morning routine to be able to make it to that meeting on time. What would that thing be that you would forego? My breakfast. Breakfast. Yes. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite beauty product? Maybe this will be a hard one for you because you you're you're into makeup uh, products. So, uh, but if you could choose one, what would your favorite be? Well, given that uh, skin-wise, I don't apply anything. It's just the normal lotion. I would go for um, a beauty product. Would be a lip, my lipstick. Okay. Okay. Because I, so I, very... I can't go without it. I would rather not even apply anything on my face, but my lipstick <laughs> has to be there. Your lips will always be on point. <laughs> I can't be there. <laughs> <laughs> So, so for your for your skin, you don't need to use any special uh, lotion. You just use anything. I have the best skin ever. I've never experienced even in my teens, you know, any issues to do with my skin. My skin is just. I think I'm blessed. I have never yes. had issues with ever. You I was are. laughing. My goodness. My sisters. I don't even use anti-aging cream or anything. I just leave. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What do you need those creams for? You just laugh and you know enjoy life. You know? <laughs> I live like there's no tomorrow. I just live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what is a typical day like for you? 
Uh, normally, because I take my meds in the morning, first the first thing, before even my meds, the first thing that I do, I wake up in the morning and pray. And then after I pray, I normally prepare my breakfast. Normally for me, breakfast is very heavy because I take my meds in the morning and the ARVs are very strong. So you need something on your stomach so that it doesn't put you down. So I'll wake up, maybe I make some, I love ugali, you know ugali? Yes, yes, yes. We we have something similar here in Zimbabwe, but it, it's called sadza. Aha. Uh -huh. So I normally love maybe ugali with some traditional vegetables. Yeah, so uh, I, I no, I don't do skumawiki because of the acidity. We have now the traditional ones we have, we call them managu, and it's very good at building the immunity. They look like leaves. You, you see, like the way you plant beans, the way those leaves look like managu looks like that. Yeah, so I'll I'll take my yeah, and then I take some water, and then now like I go and shower. And then now I have to put my lashes on as usual and my lipstick. Actually, most of the time I do my eyeshadow, lashes and lipstick only. I've not applied anything on my face apart from the lotion. So I don't use anything else. My goodness, you have beautiful skin. Thank you. So when I do the lotion, the eyeshadow, blah, blah, blah. I do my, I'm a, now that I lost my hair and it's now trying to come back, I'm a wig person. So I normally, like, make sure I check which wig fits. And then uh, I step out. Um, I go first to um, where my sister has a salon. I normally have put some products over there as well. So I'll go and check them out. And then I'll sit down and um, just go through my Facebook page and see if I've gotten any inboxes of people in need. And I write down. Then I go to my WhatsApp and I write down. Then I go back to my notes and see if there's a case that I've not followed or I've not, you know, concluded. So I follow up, I make calls. And then that's how I get, that's, that's how my day evolves. So you have no, if I have no plan of going anywhere, I'll just do the calls and, you know, continue doing my own things and stuff. Then in the evening I go home. But if I have a place that I need to be, especially if it's, it's in terms of advocacy, then I have to plan. I go, I see that person. I normally visit them at their homes because I like verifying. We're also in an area where people can be cons. Uh, you know, somebody tells you I don't have food, but they want you to send them money. And they don't want you to go and see them. So I normally have to go and verify if the case is genuine. If it's somebody that had planned we are going to the hospital together, then I'll do that. Apart from, aside that, then if it's just a normal day, then I'll just go through the routine of checking out, following on people, you know, checking on my social media accounts, posting. Sometimes I go through other advocates, uh, you know, like pages and also, you know, it's good to read and, you know, compare notes. And then I go back home, um, take a shower, I take a lot of water and relax, maybe go through, you know, some... I told you I'm a, a very spiritual person. So I'll go through the Bible and then I'll start cooking. Once I cook, then I eat, do my prayer, then I sleep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. sounds like a very full day. Yeah. Do you prefer tea or coffee? Well, I don't do both because I eat a oh. lot. Because <laughs> I eat a full meal. So I take hot water. Okay. Because coffee for me doesn't work well with me because of ulcers. 
so I don't do coffee. If it's tea, I'm not a tea person because I don't take milk. So I'd rather maybe just have my food and some hot uh, glass of water. Okay, I see. Yeah. Okay. What is your least favorite house chore? I hate washing the utensils. If I can cook, <laughs> I hate it completely. It makes me so sick. But it's life. <laughs> it's life. Yeah, yeah. There's no avoiding it. I'm telling you, so I, I I try to to use, you know, the least that I can use so that I don't get to work a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And what would you say is your biggest pet peeve? I get annoyed when people think they can validate what I do. A mm. lot. Yes, mm. I do. Yes, I don't think anybody should validate validate what I do because when I came to the world, I came for my own, you know, I had a purpose to fulfill. At the same time, I'm not here to please people. Whatever decisions yeah. that I make and choices are good for me, not for other people's eyes. So I get annoyed when somebody thinks they can validate my choices in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good one. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, that's something only God does. Exactly. But not other individuals. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What are you most proud of? I am proud of myself and who I've become because I used to be this arrogant, proud person. And I never got to understand, you know, humanity and you know what you can do to change people's lives. I am proud that it, you know, HIV has humbled me to a point I now look forward to, you know, changing somebody's life, you know, changing the narrative in somebody's life. So I'm actually proud that it has changed me to a good person, to a humble person, and to a caring person. So I'm proud, or I'm proud of that. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful, beautiful. You know, and the interesting thing is sometimes the toughest moments in our lives are the ones that shape us and really are the ones that make us blossom into what God has and what God purposed and designed for us to be. So, you know, you're 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 so radiant and as I look at you, you know, you're just you're just this ball of of just joy and happiness. And I'm so excited for our viewers to be able to see you because it's, you know, it just shows all over your face, all all over your countenance that, you know, life is to be lived and you're enjoying your life. And that's exactly what we want them to do as well. Sure. You live like there's not more and there's no reason to stop because HIV is just a mere virus that does not control you, but rather you control it. So nothing has changed apart from my blood status. My life still continues and I live. I actually, something else is you get to to look at yourself from a better perspective and appreciate who you are. So it's a good thing. Awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, if you are out there, if you're watching this and you um, may be HIV positive as well, you know, 
make sure you take your medication. That's the key sure. to making sure that you're healthy. Know your status, take your medication, and um, you know, do not let anyone make you feel that you're less than just because of a virus that's inside your body. So yes. great message. Thank you, Susan, so much for joining me. I'm in such appreciation and in such awe of, of um, all that you are and all that the work that you're doing within your community and even um, abroad because you, you connect with people all over the world. So I'm very humbled that you took the time to, to speak with me today. Thank you. Thank you too so much. I'm really grateful. Thank you for availing the platform because I, I, I always believe when somebody avails a platform for you, they've opened a door for someone somewhere who didn't have a voice or was waiting for that voice to tell them, you know, it's okay, it's going to be fine. What a powerful message. I don't know about you, but I walked away from this conversation feeling uplifted and realizing that our thoughts play such a huge role in how we feel about ourselves. Now, the topic we were speaking about today was HIV, of course, but you may have something that you're struggling with that prevents you from living life to the fullest. And we want to counteract that today because we know that is not what God wants for us. So I encourage you to get into God's word and realize just how much he loves you and the abundant life he wants you to live. That's all for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. Please check out our website to find more stories on women like Susan who have decided that they will take charge of their life. Until next time, take care.